Thank you guys. Thank you, Miss Ruth. Great job. Great songs. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Probably everybody here, as far as I know, knows that on Sunday nights we're working through a series on Bible doctrine, understanding uh, first what uh, the scriptures teach to be sound doctrine, and then spending time helping us understand why we believe what we believe. Uh, believers, of course, first begin by learning what, and hopefully uh, they will choose to be wiser and more mature and learn why. Uh, I want us at Bible Baptist Church, I want us to understand what we do here that's biblical. I want us to understand what we do here that is a historical Baptist Bible-believing position of a way to apply a Bible principle. And I want us to know what we do here that's just a preference of this body. Uh, there's been a lot of damage done to the work of Christ at times. Christianity has been watered down because people treated things as a preference when it was actually a Bible principle or doctrine. And on the other hand, Christianity has been wounded because people treated things that are preferences as if they were key Bible doctrines. And I pray God would give us wisdom here to know the difference. We began uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about uh, what a biblical church is. It's very important that we understand what Christ intends for His church. Uh, the church, of course, does not belong to any pastor. It does not belong to the congregation. It does not belong to the culture. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. And we learned two weeks ago that a biblical church is a called-out assembly of believing people. Jesus made that very clear. All believers will not be the church until we assemble together in heaven one day. In fact, even the word church means called out assembly. The root word translated as church means that. And someday, there will be a lot of things that will make heaven good. One of the things that will, be heaven, will make heaven good is that all of God's people will finally be united according to the truth, and we will be with Christ. We learned the, that a biblical church is a biblical leader. That there is a reason that Paul ordained an elder in every city that he visited when he went to the region of Galatia. There's a reason that he instructed Titus to do the same on the island of Crete. And though Jesus is in the midst of two or three, whenever they are gathered together, uh, two or three gathered together with Jesus in the midst doesn't make that a church. A church is more than that. It has a biblical leader. It has a great commission as its mission. And we are all tempted to focus on secondary things like fellowship or political impact, worship or social justice or meeting the perceived needs either of the people here or the people in our culture. Uh, but we are supposed to be first and foremost focused on going with the gospel, on baptizing those who believe, and on teaching those who believe the things that Christ taught us. Now, I'm taking a lot of time on this subject of the church because the place and purpose of the church is under assault and is often warped today in our culture. And whether we like it or not, we live in this culture. We're influenced both directly and indirectly by the views both of Christians and the public version of uh, Christianity that you can watch on television or on, read about in blogs or watch on YouTube videos. Uh, we're all influenced that. And because 
of the increased biblical and historical ignorance of American Christians and the lack of backbone by Christian leaders, uh, sadly, many Christians in America, they're spiritually starving. And they're having their growth stunted because they are not receiving what Jesus Christ wants them to receive in one of His churches. See, we're not just here for the Great Commission. That is our focus. But it's not the only reason we're here. Uh, in fact, in my opinion, one reason Christianity in America is often not as healthy as it should be is a corruption of the doctrine of the church. And I want us exposed to what Christ started. I want us exposed to what He established. I, I, I do not want us taken in by the decreased focus on local assemblies of believers and the increased focus on national impersonal ministries. These last two weeks, we've discussed the church, and it brings up a good question. What should I be getting from my church? What should I be looking to give to the church where Christ has sent me? Those are great questions. Did you know there are some benefits that a believer will never get unless they're committed to one of Christ's churches. Uh, if you've ever talked to very many people about the faith, one of the things that you will hear over and over and over again, well, I'm a believer in Jesus, I just don't like organized religion, or I don't uh, participate in a church. Uh, one of the things I always say first, nicely, is that, well, you can be a Christian without the church, but you will never get all Jesus wants to give you without the church. If you're able to stand, if you would stand tonight, uh, the title of my thought is personally invested in a body of Christ. Personally invested in a body of Christ. Matthew chapter 10, we begin in the Word of God in verse 24. It says, a disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Thank you, might be seated. Now you might think, as we just read that verse, what's that have to do with the church and uh, the subject tonight in answering those questions? We'll get to that in a minute. You see, Jesus had prayed all night and then in the morning, he called the twelve apostles to him from among his disciples. That's how this chapter begins. And then he sends them out to carry his message to cities to which he planned to visit. And uh, before they left, uh, Matthew 10, basically uh, beginning in verse 8 or verse 7, uh, is him instructing them on what to expect and what to do when they went out uh, carrying his message. Uh, he uh, warned them about a lot of things, and unlike modern day prosperity gospel preachers, he wanted them to understand that when they went out and represented him, they would not always be well received. In fact, he prepared them for difficulty and conflict and opposition even from their own families. But in the middle of this warning, Jesus makes a statement that becomes a great principle for living a life of faith following Christ. 
Notice in verse 24, it says the disciples not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Uh, they would certainly not be tra- treated better than he was treated. He faced opposition. He faced conflict. He faced difficulties as they went out and represented him because a disciple is not above his master. They should expect the same kinds of things to happen to them. Notice in verse 25, he said it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. It's enough. You want to know what's enough in the Christian life? Be like Jesus. See, if people were against them, if people were against him, they would be against them bringing the same message that he brought. If people were against how he taught people to live, uh, people would be against them teaching the same things. See, some of the Jews said Jesus had Beelzebub, the others said he did miracles and the power of the devil, and he warns them not to be surprised when the same things happen to them. Uh, again, I just remind you, uh, the Jews and the Romans, they didn't crucify Jesus because they loved his message. They, they didn't, that, that's not, they weren't trying to fulfill scriptures. They hated his message. They hated his integrity. They hated his truthfulness. They hated how he was just honest with them about everything, and, and they plotted his destruction. And, and, and so, uh, he was not this great unifier. He divided people who did not believe from his believers, and he unified those who believed in him. And the principle on which I want to begin our thought tonight is simply this. It is enough for the disciple to be as his master. Now this can be applied to uh, this principle to a lot of practical areas of life as well as theological areas of our lives as believers. It is enough for us to try to live like Jesus lived. It is enough for us to treat other people like Jesus treated them. It is enough for us to prioritize our lives like Jesus prioritized his life. It's enough for us to believe like Jesus believed and taught. To believe what he believed about creation, about life, about priorities. To believe what he believed about marriage, about morality, forgiveness. It's enough to believe what he believed about loving our neighbor, loving our enemies, loving our family, loving the people of God. It's enough for a disciple to be as his master. Listen, it is enough for us to believe what Jesus believed about the church. It is enough for you and I to think and feel about local assemblies of believers like Jesus thinks about them. It is enough for you and I to invest in the church like Jesus invests in the church. Which brings up the good question, which really becomes the foundation of our thought tonight. What does Jesus think about His church? What kind of a relationship does he want us to have with a church? Now we spent a large part of our message two weeks ago understanding that Jesus, more than any New Testament author, made it abundantly clear that what he meant when he said, upon this rock I will build my church, what he meant was local assemblies of believers everywhere that he promised to build. And tonight, what I want to focus on is what Jesus thinks of each church and desires from her members, so we can be like our master. What does Jesus think about what we're doing tonight? That's a great question. What does Jesus think about what we did this morning? 
In fact, if you watch what's going on in American Christianity today, one of the things that is beginning to be increasingly warped is how important the church should be to us as believers. Does it really matter if we prioritize other good things in life above the church? Does it matter if I'm healthy uh, and my only relationship with the church is watching it live stream? Does it matter? Does it matter if I have a pastor? Does it matter if I am an active part in a local assembly of believers, uh, an assembly to which I am deeply committed? Does that matter? What does Jesus think about His church? What kind of relationship does He want me to have with one of His churches? It's a, it's a great question. If you uh, would turn, please, first in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to try to answer those questions. They're good questions. What does Jesus think of His church? What kind of relationship does He want us to have with the church? Here's number one. The Lord Jesus Himself sets people in a body of believers as it pleases Him. Jesus Himself sets people in a body of believers as it pleases Him. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, it says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. Now, there are some things leaders delegate because some others have more time or more skill or more interest in that particular area than they do. But there are other things that leaders refuse to delegate because they're that important to them that they do not want to hand it off to anyone. Listen to me. Putting believers in local bodies of His people is so important to Jesus that He does it Himself. Jesus has a local assembly of believers, one of His bodies, where He wants to set every one of His children. In fact, He has a role in a local assembly of believers that He has gifted each of His children to fulfill. In fact, if we study this chapter, here's an illustration of this. He talks about some being eyes and others being hands and others being feet. Uh, a specific role in one of his bodies that he has gifted and called each one of his children to fulfill. Now, I do not believe God chose some to be saved and others to have no hope of salvation. I do believe that God chose our spiritual and natural gifts sovereignly and that God sovereignly chose the plan and place in his body he has for each of us as Christian people. Notice in verse 13, all believers are a body into which the Spirit baptized us at salvation. Verse 13, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Notice, Paul here uses the word we. He includes himself. All believers... When they receive Christ, are baptized, they're immersed in the Spirit, and they become a part of this one body of Christ. Listen, uh, just because we're linked together with all believers doesn't make all believers as a church because we don't assemble. <laughs> we have a common immersion in the Spirit, and that's a wonderful thing. What that means, practically speaking, is that every one of us as Christians has a work in the world around us 
to fulfill outside our local assembly of believers. All believers are in this body that's not called a church yet because it's not assembled, but by virtue of being a believer, you're in this body and you have a body part, you have a work in this world. Now, <laughs> notice in verse 27, and he changes from we to ye. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Notice, ye, now he doesn't include himself, he talks about the Corinthian people, you are the body of Christ, not a part of the body. And so there is a way that by virtue of the Spirit of God being in every Christian, that every Christian is a part of this body of Christ that's not yet called the church, and then there is another way in which Jesus sets every one of us in a body of Christ in the church of Corinth. They were also a body of Christ, and they were a church because they assembled together. Uh, what this means in practical terms is simply this. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are technically a part of two bodies. We are a part of the body of Christ that's in our world, and each of us as a Christian has something God wants us to do away from this place. There are things that you have in your workplace, things in your family, things in your community that is a part of the body of Christ because Christ is in you, even though that body is not yet the church that God wants you to do. You are a body part in our world. And after Christ sets us in a local assembly of believers, we have a body part here. There is something He has gifted and called you to do in His church. Now, none of us have the right to ignore our local assembly, nor do any of us have the right to ignore the work in the world Christ has designed us for us. Now, a few believers have a small work in their church and a larger work in our world. Uh, you may not agree with this, but I believe George Bush was a Christian. And uh, as a Christian... What that means is he was baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. That's all believers, and he had a role in the world. But as a Christian, uh, he also was supposed to be in a local assembly of believers and have a role in that work. Now, George Bush was not supposed to be at church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night at visitation on Thursday, teaching a Sunday school class and doing the kind of things that some God has sent here to be like that. Uh, but he had a body part in the world. Now, he had no good reason to ignore being a body part in a local church and don't know whether he did or didn't. But I'm just saying some Christians, God intends the primary role and their gifts are in the world, but they have no right to ever leave behind the church. Most Christians, God has given them a smaller role in the world and a larger work in their body of Christ, the local assembly where he has set them. And so what I would say to you is find the local body Jesus designed you to be a part of. Find and fill the role he designed you to do in it. That's true in the world, in that body that's not yet the church. That's true in this body. Bible Baptist Church, you have a role and a place. First and foremost, when anyone is looking for a church, we should be looking for the place where Jesus wants to set us. Many people are looking for something close to their house. Some people are looking for family and friends. Many are looking for the music that they like. 
Some are looking for a place that's not too intrusive in their life. But wise believers are looking for the place where Jesus Christ wants to set them. Hear me when I say, when you and I find the place where Jesus Christ wants to set us, we will be most fulfilled in life. That church may or may not have all the ministries you wish it did. That church may or may not have the family and friends you wish were there. That church may not be across the street from your house. But the first thing we ought to look for is where Jesus Christ has set us. And always that will be a place, if you know sound doctrine, it will be a place with sound doctrine. Uh, You may not agree with this, but I would never personally join a church compromised on the Bible. I know today people say that's a secondary issue, but I want you to understand it is the issue of all issues. Everything we believe and teach comes from this book. Don't tell me what book you have is a secondary issue. I would not compromise on that. I just wouldn't. I would not compromise on a church that didn't teach and believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I wouldn't do it. You couldn't convince me to be a Jehovah Witness. You couldn't convince me to be a Mormon, no matter how nice they are and family-oriented they are. Listen, if Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, God manifested in the flesh, that's not my circle. You couldn't convince me to join a place that had compromised in the doctrine of salvation. Now listen, I, uh, uh, by the grace of God, I've been saved about 38 and a half years now, and I've seen a lot of good things from God's people, and I've seen a lot of bad things. I have never understood how people go from churches like this to go to a church that does not teach salvation by grace through faith. Listen, you cannot leave a church that preaches salvation by faith in Jesus for a church of Christ or a Christian church. They teach baptismal regeneration. I will not compromise on that. You cannot convince me to go somewhere that has compromised biblical baptism. Baptism is by immersion as a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus after someone has believed and received Christ. Listen, you cannot convince me of those things. Christ sets everyone in a body, and you can know He did not set you someplace that has changed those things. Now, you might not feel that way about that stuff, but I'm just going to tell you, uh, uh, I feel those things very deeply. I'm not implying people at churches that are different from that have compromised everything or not sincere. I'm not implying that. I just said I couldn't do that. I've seen too much. But I tell you tonight, it's not my job to set believers in churches. That is Jesus' job. Uh, Again, if if you or I were Jesus, you would never find in the Bible, like in Revelation, where he describes the church of Sardis as having a name uh, that they live as, but are dead. And then Jesus say about some of the people in that church that was dead, thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, who've not defined himself. Listen, uh, God, God didn't set me like that. But don't think for a minute God doesn't set some of His people like that. My point is simply this. Jesus sets 
his people where he wants them. He has a role for each of us in the body of Christ, generally speaking, that's in the world, that's not yet the church. And he also has a role for every one of us in a body of Christ, a local church, like Bible Baptist Church, and the happiest you and I will ever be, and the most satisfied we will ever be, is if we find that and do it. You know, when we understand Christ has a place for us, it changes how we choose a church and how we offer counsel to those looking for one. I've said to people many, many times, I don't know if Bible Baptist Church is for you, but I do know this, you belong in a church. Amen? I've heard people literally say, and I've seen a lot of people literally act like I've done my time. I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. And what I say is, that's a bad attitude. I'm here doing what I do because Jesus set me here. And I'm not going to leave because I'm tired of the opposition. So, Brother Walla, are you tired of the opposition? Well, of course. So what kind of opposition you have? Well, that's none of your beeswax. It's not your burden to bear, that's mine. That's not my wife's burden to bear. I mean, one of the things, uh, l- listen, you can't go to my wife and, and say, hey, what, 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 what's going on? Because I don't tell her. That's my burden to bear. She, she don't need me coming home uh, from the office at the end of the day, unloading. Well, you ought to see what such and so said. You ought to hear what such and so did. That's not her burden to carry. That's mine. Listen, if Jesus has set you here at Bible Baptist Church, quit thinking about leaving. Stop thinking there's no place here for you or you're not needed. L- listen, <laughs> uh, you're needed. If you're here and you feel like you're underutilized, please come to me. I've got lots of things that need to be done. Well, listen, there are no open jobs for boss. I mean, I have people all the time, hey, why don't we do this? I always say the same thing. Well, if I decide to do that, are you interested in heading it up? Well, no. Listen, everybody's got an idea what someone else ought to be doing. I'm just saying, listen, if you are a part of Bible Baptist Church, Jesus set you here, you are a a body part here, there is something that no one here can do like you are able to do it. No one will get satisfaction doing it like you will get, and all you have to do is decide to do it. To be as our master, we should be seeking to set people in local assemblies of believing people and be willing to be set in one. Which gets us to our second thing tonight. Please, secondly, if you go to Ephesians chapter 5. By the way, we, we live in a day when people don't care about the church. Christian people. In fact, the matter is, is that if the people in the church, they're a part of all acted like them, there wouldn't be a church for long. Back out. Let me ask you, if everybody here had your attitude about Bible Baptist Church, how would we do? a good question. 
What does the Lord Jesus think about His church? What kind of relationship does He want me to have with one of His churches? Here's the second thing. The Lord Jesus Himself loves the church. He loves the church. Verse 25 of Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. By the way, it isn't our subject tonight, but husbands, love your wives. Amen. But notice, not only is this practical for our own home, it says Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Christ loves a local assembly of believers. Christ gave Himself for a local assembly of believers. Verse 29, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. What does Jesus think about the church? He nourishes it. He cherishes it. You see, to be as our master, we need to love the local church and give ourselves for it. To be as our master, we should nourish and cherish each assembly of believing people. Isn't it interesting when in light of such clear statements, the way people are about the church? Isn't it interesting in light of such clear statements, uh, how many believers seem to care so little about what goes on? How they have such a low priority of what it means or the importance of assembling as believers. Can I say that now after about 38 and a half years of being a committed member of a biblical church, you know what I would say to you is, you know what, sometimes it's tough to love and nourish and cherish and give yourself for the church. And if you've never found that yet to be tough, what that means is either A, you haven't been at it long, or B, you've never really done it. Because sometimes it's difficult. By the way, doing this is a lot easier when you wrongly define the church as all believers everywhere. Uh, doing this is tough when we understand that by the church, Jesus meant a local assembly of believers and He's asked us, listen, I'm supposed to love, nourish, cherish, and give myself for people at times who don't like me. Or not my age group, who don't have my background. Pe people who look at life completely different than I do. Listen, there's people that come here every week, and what they do is on the way home, they just scoff about everything they heard. And yet, I am supposed to nourish, cherish, love, and give myself for this organization because it's Christ's organization. I believe God matures and grows us as believers when we try to interact and try to love believers of all sorts, sizes, and ages. Listen, the world can love their family. It takes Christ to love one another with the kind of diversity the Lord has placed in His church. And no one really loves Jesus who doesn't try to love what He loves. Nourish what He nourishes, cherish what He cherishes. You see, to give ourselves to the assembly of believers where Christ has set us makes us more like our Master. And it's enough for a disciple to be as His Master. Thank God for what Christ does in our world. Thank God for what Christ does in the lives of people who decide to love, nourish, cherish, and give ourselves to the church like He does. By the way, 
it won't be long when you try to do that where you will be challenged. Am I doing this for the Lord or other reasons? Do it for Christ. Which gets us to our last thing. Just turn back a page to Ephesians chapter 4. What does Jesus think about His church? What kind of relationship does He want us to have with one of His churches? Here's number three. The Lord Jesus gives His people something in a church they cannot get anywhere else. The Lord Jesus gives His people something in a church they cannot get anywhere else. Well, over the years, this has become one of my favorite sections of the Bible because... It is the answer to the lukewarm version and churchless version of Christianity in our culture. If you haven't recognized it, if you were to compare today uh, how important the church is to believing people to how important it was 40 or 50 years ago, there would be no comparison. This is important for us. Because the average American Christian, they don't see the value in assembling. That's why they don't go. Notice what the Lord Himself gives His people in a church they can't get anywhere else. Ephesians 4 verse 10 says, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens, that He might fill all things. And it says, and He gave. Say, who's the He? He that descended and He that ascended. So this is Jesus. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. By the way, here's a good question. Why did He give them? Notice the four reasons He gave those people. Prophets, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. No comma. Notice the first reason, for the perfecting of the saints. Notice He gave them secondly, for the work of the ministry. Notice He gave them thirdly, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see those three fours there? Those are three of the reasons He gave those people in verse 11. Verse 13, uh, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and here's the fourth reason, that. He gave three reasons for that we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to defeat. Why did God give pastors, and by the way, there's no comma, pastors and teachers. Uh, I, I know. And 1 Corinthians said it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I know in Titus chapter 1 it says that God hath in due times manifested His Word by preaching. I know that in light of Him talking about the inspiration of Scripture and all Scripture being in, given by inspiration of God, that He concludes that by saying, preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering doctrine. I, I know about the importance of preaching, and no church is a church like it's supposed to be if there's no preaching. But understand as your pastor, I'm not supposed to just preach. Pastors and teachers, no comma. A part of re the reason I'm here is to teach you. And someone who does not have that pastor-teacher in their life, they will miss 
to some degree or another those four things because the reason God has given His sheep a shepherd, an under-shepherd, a pastor, is for these four things. Did you catch them? First, for the perfecting of the saints. Uh, perfection in your Scripture means maturity, completion. Listen, there will be ways you will not be matured or complete unless you find that shepherd Jesus intended you to follow. Did you catch the second one? Also in verse 12, for the work of the ministry. There is a work that God has called each of us and gifted each of us to do, and believers will never accomplish or serve or do all that they could do without that shepherd, that pastor teacher Jesus intended them to have. Did you catch the third one also in verse 12? For the edification of the body of Christ. Edify means to build up or to strengthen. Uh, listen, Believers without a pastor will never be as strong as they would be if they had that shepherd that God called and gifted them to follow. And then the last one in verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Believers without that pastor teacher will be tossed around with the winds of doctrine, false doctrine, misapplied doctrine. Without that pastor teacher God intended you to follow, you will be less stable. You will be more easily deceived. By the way, I don't, I'm not teaching you these things because I want that responsibility in your life. To be quite frank with you, I don't want it. What, what I want is the same thing you want. You know what? I'd like to not worry about anybody but myself. But don't, listen, I'm not going to pretend to be something. I, am, I have the same heart and desires as everybody here. But the fact of the matter is, is that whenever God sets one of His people in a body, He gives them a pastor teacher so they will be benefited in all four of these areas of life. And any believer who does not find that body of Christ where God intends them to be set will not have those things that He would give them if they would be in one of His churches. Why go to all the trouble? Why go to all the trouble of being deeply committed and serving where Christ has set us? Why get out of bed early in the Lord's day? Why adjust our priorities on Sunday evenings when we're really just starting to relax? Why bother trying to get along with people who are so different from us, who at times are immature and thoughtless and unappreciative of what we might do for them? Why be mistreated and underappreciated by those we seek to help? Why try to serve people and help people in ministry who often don't notice and generally don't appreciate what we do? Why sacrifice our time? Why give sacrificially of our wealth? Why sacrificially give of our person and our life to a local assembly of believers? Why? It's enough for a servant to be as his Lord. You may not like it, but Christ didn't die for live stream. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm glad we have it for anybody that doesn't use it as an excuse to not make the effort to show up. And people who do, I wish they'd repent. For everybody who's infirmed or contagious, or uh, listen, I'm glad we have it. It's a blessing. Why go to all this trouble? Because I believe with all my heart 
that if Jesus of Nazareth lived in America in 2022, he'd be sitting in a church like this one somewhere. Or more accurately, preaching in a church like this one somewhere. Because if he showed up, listen, I'm glad to listen. It is enough for a servant to be as his Lord. For anybody who's been a Christian for any length of time and been blessed to have been set in one of Christ's bodies, who with all of your heart gave yourself to that church, to those people, nourished and cherished and loved them to the best of your human ability, you have, because of that, been more stable, have more maturity, and you've accomplished more than you ever would have done if you would have chose something different. If you'd quietly stand.